Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host of The Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio. I'm speaking with Chet Harder, Senior Automotive Principal at SAP. And Chet is just about ready to wrap up the second annual Best Practices for Automotive Conference in Detroit, Michigan, sponsored by SAP. Chet Harder, three days. It's been great, I understand. Talk to me. How is everything? <laughs> Hi, Bonnie. Uh, it's obvious to me you have a lot more energy than I do at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to about 25 people in the past two and a half days. Getting Ch- Chad, it's fascinating. Uh, I've spoken to sponsors. I've spoken to analysts. I've spoken to SAP people. I've spoken to people from different companies who were there as customers. And I'm, I'm so intrigued at the differences in the impressions they're getting. But everybody says it's exciting, that the networking is awesome, that so many great ideas are being exchanged. But Chad, the reason I asked you to come back, and I spoke to you the first day of the conference is almost three days, you've been there, and you were there last year at the, we'll call the inaugural event of best practices for automotive. Mm -hmm. So let's reflect on what you've seen now in three days in 2016 versus what did you see last year? What's different? Tell us. Uh, Well, well, I think something that was uh, different for me, and I haven't talked with my colleagues to see if they uh, share these same thoughts, but uh, as an example, I, I just uh, I, I just sat in a supply chain and manufacturing session for the past hour, and it was kind of one of the closing sessions of the event. And and I what I what I saw there uh, last year in a similar event, what I saw was a lot of people with almost kind of a, a deer in the headlights type of look. As in, there's a lot of change that's happening. I keep hearing about things that are going on, and you need to change, or you're not going to be able to compete, and that type of thing. And and that, what I saw today in this session, and I and I saw this kind of echo throughout the conference, was more of a feeling it's like, no, no, we we know there are changes. We know there are changes happening, and we know that there's some new things happening, and we're trying to figure out how to do that now. We're ready to go. We just have to figure out how to do it. And I think that's just a, a tremendous change from last year, where everyone just kind of sitting there, you know, looking like, oh my gosh, what does this all mean? And I think mm-hmm. uh, in general, they're coming to grips with the fact that one, these changes are inevitable. Two, they have to go along with it. And thirdly, I think they're, they're seeing that the, the, the options are out there in terms of the technical help to get them there. And I think that's one of the things I, I've, I've most perceived about a difference between this year and last year. Chet, you've led me into a question I wasn't planning to ask you, but I have to now. Are, the same, are you seeing a lot of the same people or the same companies represented from last year to this year? And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So what do you see? Uh, well, just uh, you know, not sure what you're looking for, but I'll tell you the facts. Uh, I think mm-hmm. about, uh, I think I heard 20 to 30 percent of the people in the audience are returned from last year. Uh, so the, the the good news of that is we have a whole lot of people who are new this year. Um, mm-hmm. But there's another part of it new too. The people who were here last year who did not show up this year, uh, the people who have made a lot of the phone calls, a lot of the arrangements for you know, a lot of the the follow ups with different people. A lot of the the reasons they're not here. Uh, for example, one of the very popular reasons was no, we're in the process of going live with some new applications, and right now yes. is not a good time for me to leave my my job. 
So, yes. you know, hey, we'll take that one. You know, if, if, if this is just bad timing, then that's fantastic. And, and, and the good thing is, I think we can plan on seeing a lot of those people here next year and a lot of people where this is their first time, I think we'll see them next year. So in general, we're very confident that even, you know, we, we had like 20% more people this year. We're, we're expecting, you know, another 20 or 30% increase next year. Now, that's what I was trying to get at, and you answered it better than I even had hoped you would, uh, that people were busy implementing and executing and making things happen that they heard about, learned about, were motivated to try out for their companies from last year, and they're busy doing right now. That's exciting. And I was also looking for, Chet, I have one more question for you, but at the end of when when we're done in a few minutes, I want to know why should our listeners plan to be there, and I think you've already given me some good reasons. It's exciting. It's innovative. I've heard from many people I've spoken with over the past three days. The network is amazing. The opportunity to share ideas and listen to people who are really in the trenches. So don't answer the why should people come next year, but I'm going to ask for you for just one more word on the value of the event. It sounds wonderful. Now, Chet, you know at the end of all the Game Changer shows, I ask my panelists to look into the crystal ball and give me a prediction. So I'm going to ask you a very specific type of prediction. We are seeing very energy driving forward, pun intended, business innovation levels in automotive right now. And you've just talked about that. Do you think we can see that sustained level of innovative energy, let's say coming out to 2025, almost 10 years ahead? Or do you think that the industry is going to say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is enough for us to deal with. Let's plateau. Let's put a little bit of kibosh on innovation. Just keep it at a, at an in, at a quiet level get our arms around what we have, and then it will pop up again. What do you see? Wow, that was a very long question, expecting a very <laughs> short answer. Um, okay, first of all, my crystal ball only goes out about eight more years, and then my crystal ball becomes very personal, since that's about the time that I will stop caring about what's going on so much in the automotive industry. Uh, however, however, what I'm picking up is I think there was a time in the automotive industry a few years ago where, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, for example, automotive suppliers. What did automotive suppliers do in terms of business processes and, and, and making changes? It was based upon what the OEMs told them to do. As the OEMs set the pace, they set the systems, they did the things, and they said, oh, oh, suppliers, this is what you must do to be our suppliers. Uh, so they followed suit. And what I'm seeing happening right now is a lot more, especially the larger tier one type companies, the global tier one companies, and a lot of the larger tier two companies are starting to say, no, there's a, there, there are a lot of competitive uh, benefits to, to, to being able to do some of our own things using information technologies that's out there today. Well, let's not wait for the OEM to tell us to do something, even if it's, you know, and especially if not if it's something internal. We need to make changes. And I think a lot of companies are saying there, there are a lot of things that we could do to make things better, to reduce our cost, to make this a better place to, to, to work. Um, and, and that, which you know, in the long term, helps them retain employees and all that type of thing. I think they're seeing those things. So I see the the rate of change picking up right now, and I have no reason to think that that will ever change. I think you know, techn- information technology and the tools we have is going to continue to develop. And as long as people out there have that mentality that says, no, when when new when new technology develops, we need to apply that to our business problems. That's the attitude that I think is is growing out there, and I see no reason why that would ever stop. 
Thank you. A quick, quick side note here. Do you think, Chet, that the influx of millennials, that M word we all, we sometimes do and don't like to talk about, do you think the influx of millennials into the workforce, and, and hard for me to believe that some of them are already in their early to mid-30s, how could that have happened right under our noses? Uh, do you think that they're going to bring a, a renewed sense of energy for customer centricity to automotive in the next few years? I don't. I don't necessarily think of them bringing energy. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, this is you know, this is somebody who's much beyond the millennial age, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see them bringing necessarily energy as much as I see possibly some 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 new or slash different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly some of those things that many of us who are you know over fifty, let's say, um, maybe take for granted. That's this it. is just the way. <laughs> this is just what it's like in the working world. This is how it's done. This is how we communicate. This is how we. Uh, this is how we handle our day to day jobs. This is how we balance our life with work. I think. Uh, I, I think the, the the younger people, and if you want to call them millennials, we can. But just I think younger mm-hmm. people are, are more in a mode of of. Of not not just accepting those things because it's always been done that way, and I think you'll have a couple things will happen. There'll be a compromise. There'll be the things that change uh, because it makes sense for them to change, and then there'll be the other the parts of it where the younger people will will probably gradually uh, assimilate <laughs> the older people mm-hmm. they work with, and uh, just accept that you know some of the older ways maybe aren't that bad either. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I think there'll be changes because they're younger people and they grow up with different uh, circumstances, and yeah. uh, everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> I know, yeah, but, I know. But, uh, <laughs> That's but I another radio show. I think there's a lot of very good stuff that comes from them, too. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was looking for energy. I was thinking of ideas as well, thinking of the fact that I've been told over and over again that the millennials and, and in that demographic are not so interested in ownership of cars, but they may be interested in oh. buying the services of a car that they, uh, somebody I spoke to the other day said they might buy kilometers from let's say, an automobile service company where they would say, well, I go skiing in December. I need a great SUV with wonderful snow tires. This is not, we're not talking autonomous yet. And I need to have that car for, let's say, for for two weeks or for 20,000 miles. And then I really want a sports car in the summer. So I need X number of thousands of miles or kilometers in a sports car. Then I need a family car for during the week. And then maybe I need a truck because I'm going to build a new house for my dream vacation house. And they would actually lease time in the ideal car from a company, but they would never own a car. Have you heard about any of this? Yeah, I heard it, and I, but I think that's 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 extreme. That's one of those extremes okay. that's out there. It's like all cars will be autonomous cars, and everybody will be doing this, and everybody and nobody's going to own. It. You know, I, I think those absolutes, those extremes. I I think there's some truth to them, but not uh, in my own opinion, not to the degree that people talk about. You know, one of the keynotes we had yesterday was uh, was Dave, uh, Dave Andrea from uh, from mm-hmm. Car. And one of the things he talked about was the fact that, yeah, there, there's, there are a lot of things like that that are happening with people sharing vehicles or buying miles or kilometers or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But you still have those people who live in a lot of parts of the world where these types of services aren't available or people like himself where he, he calculated break-evens. He could go with a service like that that would give him so many miles per year that would cost him this amount. But once he goes over and beyond that, 
he's better off financially buying his own vehicle. And I think that's the, the common sense that people need to put into this. I think for some people, yes, absolutely. If I live downtown New York City, it probably makes all the sense in the world that I would not own a vehicle and just buy some type of a service. But if I live in, uh, you know, in the, somewhere in the heart of Iowa, I'm not sure I have a service like that, and I probably travel a lot more miles than, when that, than, than that guy in New York City. Reality check from Chet Harder. Chet, one more question. I think we've already proven the point of why we think our listeners, more and more of them, should be attending the event, the third annual Best Practices for Automotive next year. But Mm -hmm. is there one thing you want to leave our listeners with, why they have to be in Detroit, Michigan next year for the conference, no matter what? What what would that reason be or that value? Uh, In my opinion, this is a... It's a great place to pick up and learn something. You're not getting a sales pitch here, at least for the most part, you're not getting a sales pitch. You're, you're with colleagues, you're with peers, you're with competitors, and you're finding out what's going on in the industry, what people are actually doing. And, and personally, I, I, you know, the, uh, yesterday I was faced with a question. Somebody said, hey, we're looking for a value analysis, uh, you know, a, a, a benefits analysis of why do Internet of Things, why do IoT? And, and my response was, was like, what, you're not sure this computer internet thing's going to catch on? You know, the, the thing is, it's, it's happening, okay? So, and, and this is an opportunity to get with your colleagues, with your peers, with your competitors, with the people in your group, and say, what's going on right now? How do we do this? And make sure that you're not falling behind. And uh, it's, you know, it's well worth the money to, and, and then time of a couple of days to come here to keep up with that in a, in a very non-threatening, non-intrusive, very collaborative type of environment. I think that's the greatest thing about this. Thank you, Chet Hartner. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. I got to talk to you twice, the first day and the third day. I'm glad it's such a successful event. Happy to have you on the ground there with Larry Stoley and our other colleagues and the sponsors and the analysts and the customers and all of the smart people. So I'm going to say, Chet Hartner, have a great rest of your day. Really, really appreciate you sharing your insights with me. we got a lot of good stuff here. I'm Bonnie DeGram signing off. Thank you. Signing off for the Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.